Welcome to Song Salad with Shannon and Scott. I'm Shannon. And I'm Scott. And I am a professional writer and your resident lyricist. I'm a professional musician and your resident composer. And, and together, together, we toss up a new song each episode. Using a random music genre. And a random topic. That's right. Using our proprietary patented portentous Ooh. industrial strength salad spinner. We randomize over 500 music genres. And hit the random article button on Wikipedia to get our topics. What did we do last time, Shannon? Last time, we did <laughs> Last some, time. Last time. Um, well, here's what I remember where we ended up. We, we Okay. I remember the genre, uh, which was a suggestion from Joe, and that we did Hawaiian folk music. True. Um, but then we, like, ended up kind of down... Uh, Oh, it was a transatlantic accent. Yes. Yes. The transatlantic or mid-Atlantic accent from Biddy. Yeah. And that led us down this kind of rabbit hole of uh, talking about, like, accent coaches. And we ended up talking about uh, Edith Skinner and <laughs> yep. and the diamond of good speech. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was a Indeed. fun one to record for me, the uh, the song for that one. <laughs> Yes, Lots incredible vocals. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and great suggestions, as always, from our Patreon donors. And speaking of Patreon donors, thank you, Lisa, for upping your Patreon donation. We appreciate you. Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, your support is keeping this show going, keeping lights on with our hosting costs and website costs and uh, paying for Zoom. Yeah, and I was going to say, that was the latest thing we used some... Uh, patreon money for was a pro zoom account so we don't have to restart every 40 minutes when we record (laughs) so thank you for that like are we dumb like we could have done that a long time ago with the the the lovely donations from our patreon donors we could have done it it. we just like we were just irritatingly every 40 minutes being like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, let's get back on. I don't know. Like, let's just take a break and then get back on. Like for like a year we've done this. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. But, Great. Uh, now we're feeling professional and uninterrupted. So thank you. <laughs> uh, also thank you everyone just for your engagement in the produce section. There's been a lot of fun content there with projects that people are doing and fun stories yeah. related to our episodes and also travel tips based on where we said we were going in the last episode. So thank you. Yeah. If you want to join us in the produce section, that's our Facebook group, not a page though. You are free to like and follow our page. If you like uh, song salad podcast dash the produce section, you just have to request membership and one of us will approve you what's new with you shannon oh boy um (laughs) (laughs) what a question what a question um i didn't mean this to be a gotcha question (laughs) not not throwing hard balls over here (laughs) (laughs) what is this frost nixon over here jeez um I don't know. Uh, looking forward to our trip to Morocco. Uh, yes. I will also be going to the Philippines and Japan. 
uh, in March and April. So I don't know, just keep those travel tips coming, I suppose, in the produce section. That's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had actually, I have a little bit of good news. I Tell had us. two two poems published uh, in a lit magazine hey. that went live today, as we are recording this on February fifth. Uh, but yeah, you can check out Wa Fignant Press. But I'll just spell it because it's no, we don't need not- the spelling. We all got yeah. it. We got it. <laughs> R O I F A I N E A N T. Uh, Roy, it looks like Roy Faniant, uh, if you're, if you're just typing it out. Uh, but anyway, that's like a French expression that means like the do nothing king. Like it, like, you know, if you were a monarch that like didn't do anything, you were a roi faniant or something like that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I had two poems, uh, published there. And one of those poems was one of the poems that I read in our listener, uh, in our like listener submitted uh, episode that we did a while back, the little like bonus episode we did. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you. Happy for thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, actually, nope. You got to cut that part out because it's a, it's another one that is going to be published, but not till June. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, just. I'll go back. Go the, back, the Scott. One, cut that out. The, yeah. Scott, cut it out. The one <laughs> that I wrote that I read on this podcast will be published in June. Okay. The, yeah. Okay. So Great. I'll just leave that mind. all in then since you explained it. <laughs> My brain is scrambled eggs. Like true, mm. truly. That's okay. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Um, well, what about you? What's new with you? Yeah. I don't think maybe, maybe we told you via text. I can't remember, but speaking of additional travel, uh, Megan and I are also going to Singapore in March. Whoa! That's, so send your travel tips for that too. That is awesome. Uh, we're just salading all over the globe. I know, just Johnny Apple Salad over here. Johnny <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Fuji Chicken Apple Salad from Panera. <laughs> Johnny Apple Salad. <laughs> Have you made that joke before? No. Are you sure? No, you I'm not sure. sure? <laughs> I was going to say, are you sure you've never said the words Johnny Apple Salad? <laughs> Johnny Lettuce Seed? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, lots of travel, lots of exciting things. Tell us your exciting things. If you have, like, yeah. like big or small, let's hear something that you're excited about. And you can tweet that at a, at us at Songs of Cast, or go on in the produce section and tweet your excite or tweet post your exciting thing, and uh, have everybody else you know do a little love pile on <laughs> on your exciting thing. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ! I'm fucking I'm, I'm unraveling. I can't, I can't do it. Go go in the produce section and be a Johnny Love Seed and spread that love around. <laughs> I am absolutely like unhinged. I just drooled all over myself. Oh my god. Definitely okay. getting added. <laughs> um, great, thanks. What else? Oh. Um uh went to a bad dentist. <laughs> 
do tell. Tell me about your bad dentist. I, I'm not like a sensitive tooth person. I've never minded the dentist. It's always been fine for me. This is the first time in my life I've been to a dentist where it was like torture. Whoa. He was aggressive. He was, maybe that's the best word, aggressive, <laughs> painful. <Yeah. laughs> Jeez. Uncaring. Wow. Wait, so. Like, it, was this like a, a local local to the Bronx dentist? It was. Um, basically, the reason that we see different dentists all the time is because our insurance changes all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we need to find yeah. new dentists constantly. And this was yeah. the latest in like, well, it's close and it takes our insurance. Let's try it out. And uh, both Megan and I had awful, awful experiences. And like, like imagine um, someone being given a dentist's office and uh-huh. – just going for it with no training. <laughs> like, imagine if in the movie Big, Tom Hanks's character was a dentist, and all all the hijinks ensued, but in people's mouths. <laughs> okay, I sort of, I sort of know what you're talking about because that was my my French dental experience. Uh, the one that I've had so far has been. This kind of like, what is this amateur hour? Like yeah. sort of feel, but without the like aggression or pain, it just felt like, like the the when they were cleaning my teeth with like the little like woo woo woo woo thing, yeah, yeah. you know the uh, whatever they call the vuvuzela, the tooth vuvuzela into your mouth. The toothuzela, um, <laughs> whatever they have, the toothuzela, and you know they're like, you know, it's like it's vibrating fairly um, strongly, and so you have to like hold it on on track on your teeth, right? <laughs> I but mean, like you're supposed to, yes, <laughs> yeah. But like this dentist, it was just like if you had given me this thing and asked me to control it, you know what it was like? Um, it was like that scene in the little rascals where they're trying to spray the fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just like, Whoa. Whoa. Wow. And so like, it was just going everywhere in yeah. my mouth, like on the roof of my mouth and on my tongue and on my cheeks. And I'm like, can you keep it on my teeth? Like, it's like, are you so weak that you don't yeah. have the muscles built up to keep it on my teeth? Like, anyway, but it, there was no pain, at least there. Well, but good. it sounds like, yeah, you, you saw the dentist from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Exactly. He was like jackhammering between the teeth. It was awful. Jeez. Um, oh, I'm sorry. But <laughs> what's funny is there's another dentist that's even closer to us that I think also takes our insurance. But we were <laughs> told to avoid that dentist by a neighbor because apparently they learned <laughs> their dental training in the Israeli army and they're also not very gentle. <laughs> they were like, don't Whoa. go to him. <laughs> Whoa. An army dentist. Exactly. Oh, boy. So maybe yeah, we'll try him yeah. next because it might be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least you'll get some discipline, it seems like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some consistency. I will say yeah. the one saving grace was that this guy was very fast. We were both in and out of there in like less than five minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Wow, great, great, great news. Going to Singapore <laughs> got your mouth brutalized. Right, going to Singapore with a clean smile. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, should we do an episode of Song Salad? Let's. Uh, yeah, or is that what we're here to do? I've forgotten today. Today. Great. Let's do it. 
Let's do a classic regular old ep with a random genre and topic from the salad spinner. That sounds excellent. So let's see what's in store for us this time as we fire up the salad spinner to generate our genre and topic. Let's do it. This episode, we're writing a song in the style of... Anatolian Anatolian rock. rock. About? About? Thomas Thomas Wilson Wilson Door. Door. Hmm. Okay. TWD. Want to read, I'll read the first sentence of Anatolian Rock, and you can read the first sentence about Tommy Door. Sounds good. Anatolian Rock, or known as Turkish Psychedelic Rock, is a fusion of Turkish folk music and rock. That sounds very cool. Yeah. Uh, And we'll be mashing that up with Thomas Wilson Door was an American politician and reformer in Rhode Island, best known for leading the Door Rebellion. Ooh. He hated Mm. windows. (laughs) Or <laughs> doors. I don't know. There's something there. <laughs> Great. We'll find it. Don't we'll worry. It. We'll workshop we'll it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's Great. go. Apologies in advance for pronunciation. Oh, boy. We, we, are, we are in the thick of it, aren't we? <laughs> we are in the thick of lots of characters of the alphabet that I'm not familiar with. Um, yeah, yeah, lots of diacriticals here. Mm. So. <laughs> <laughs> Turkish so. psychedelic rock, Anatolian rock, is a fusion of Turkish folk music and rock that emerged in the 1960s, soon after rock groups became popular in Turkey. And they were heavily influenced by rock and roll music from the late 1950s into the 1960s. Um by like surf rock groups, the Tornadoes and the Ventures, um, films with Elvis Presley and Bill Haley were popular in Turkish cinemas. And then as that continued to grow in popularity, we got into groups like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Yes, Status Quo, and Omega, which is a Hungarian rock band, becoming very popular in Istanbul, especially among young people. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that the Wikipedia article starts with history like in the 30s because there was um, what what they call modern turkeys or uh, founding father, um, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk. Um, he like really um, deliberately pushed for changes to national music in order to like modernize or bring it into a more like Western modality. And like, you know, you can see that as an, an attempt at like assimilation or like bringing Turkey kind of like more into the, the Western uh, like gaze, I guess, or you could see it as like a way to move the country forward. I think it's just mm-hmm. sort of depends on your perspective, but I think it's interesting that there was like, a deliberate top-down attempt to, like, move more traditional and folk music into a more up-to-date or Western mode. Totally. And the cool thing about Anatolian rock is that it did just that. They they preserved a lot of traditions from Turkish folk music, a lot of instruments used in Turkish folk music, and blended them with modern psychedelic rock music and instruments. So you had... Things like um, you know zithers and a reed instrument called the zerna, which is similar to like a 
like an oboe kind of a sound almost. Mm. Um, and you also had a, like a long necked guitar called a saz, which you may have seen. It's like a very bulbous kind of round, big body and a thin, long uh, like fretboard um, combined with electric guitar, um, drums, bass, uh, organ, which was used a lot in this kind of music, like the doors yeah. and the love and spoonful, right? Um, yeah. And then uh, other sort of like percussive sounds, you know, like congas and bongos that were used a lot in this music. So it's it's cool. I like it. Yeah, it is very cool. And it says that a lot of these bands started out playing covers of Western music and then moved on to writing their own music and singing in the Turkish language. Yeah. The first Turkish language pop song was... <sighs> yep. You can do it. Ayrılanar İçin. Sure. Mm-hmm. Released mm-hmm. in 1964 by Timur Selçuk. Um, it wasn't quite in this psychedelic rock genre. It was more of like an acoustic sort of a sound in the pop genre. Um, but... In 1963, an artist named Erkin Kore published a song called Beer Elul Akshami, which translates to One September Night, which is regarded as the first rock and roll song in a Turkish language, which opened into the new era of Turkish psychedelic rock. So should we hear that? Yeah, let's listen to that and we'll talk about the lyrics. Here it is. Definitely hear the what was the song that I said this one sounded like painted black. Yeah, like is the, that this one? the yeah. Rolling Stones painted black or um, yeah, what is it called? White Room is that the title? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, by Cream. Yeah, yeah, like you can definitely hear that influenced on this music along with like the surfy guitar stuff. It's real. It's really cool. Um, and I think. You know, I'm making a generalization from the four or five songs that I've been looking at the lyrics for, but it doesn't seem like there's a ton of, like, upbeat, happy positivity. <laughs> like, I, I feel like um, Western psychedelic rock had a lot of themes of sort of, like, other world, worldly, ethereal, spiritual kind of, like, broadening of spirit and soul themes and I would say that I get a lot of melancholy from sure. these lyrics. And so like that's more like the the um the, like mode or the like the groove um that we're in here. Yeah. So for example, this song by Erkin Kore, um I'll just read, you know, and again, these are just these are Google translated lyrics because we don't speak Turkish, so just bear with me on that. Um one September evening, you came to me. You gave me love on a September evening. I saw you in the dark. Please don't go give your hand. As you walk in the meadows, we will look at our fortune, what we will be. Um, uh, one September evening, you came to me. You gave me love on a September evening. From fallen leaves, a small bouquet I present to you. Accept this to be closer to you. 
Like oh, it, what a it's night. very late September back <laughs> in '63. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But dark and sad. <laughs> like dark. you heard, like you heard the tone of the music. It's it's yeah. it's darker and more long. It's like a lot of longing in yeah. in the tone. You'll notice that in a few of these examples, that there's a minor key that sort of persists, mm-hmm. and I think that sort of lends itself to the Turkish folk traditions and the scales yeah. that they use with a lot of their folk instruments. Um, you know, they Turkish folk music isn't in a Western minor key, but the modes and the melodies that are common to Turkish folk music lend themselves to fit within a Western minor key. So I think mm-hmm. that's sort of how this happens, specifically what's called a harmonic minor. Cool. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty fun one. Um, as we get into the later 60s and the 70s, uh, there was an artist named uh, Barish Mancho uh, who became very popular and sort of expanded the genre. Um, and also at this time, there were a lot of Turkish musicians that performed at European music festivals. Mm. Uh, and the music got a wider reach because of that. And then there were music competitions held in Turkey uh, that helped bring out a new generation of musicians and also expand the reach of this style into more rural areas in the country. So it wasn't just an Istanbul-centric genre anymore. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, there was um, there was one band, and I, I forget, it might have been Modul- Modular, which I think you'll, you'll talk about soon, but um, I think their first album was actually published first in France, and it was released first in France, and then two years later, it was released in Turkey. Um, and just to, like, set the backdrop for this, like, the 70s especially was when world music was becoming really popular, mm-hmm. and a lot of very big Western acts like the Beatles were incorporating these more Eastern sounds into their music anyway. And so I can imagine that at the time, yeah, these probably local uh, acts in Turkey might find a really receptive audience in Europe and in North America uh, because that sound was trendy and people thought it was mm-hmm. probably cool and authentic that, you know, these these songs were like in Turkish versus like, you know, the Beatles just using a sitar in some of their yeah. songs. Well, what's really interesting is uh, I watched a documentary about the Beatles in India and their incorporation of Indian music into their songs. And something I never really thought about before that this documentary hit on was that you know, obviously, India had a pretty tough history under English rule, um, yeah. which sort of came to a head and was sort of ending in the 1960s, 70s, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the Beatles choosing to use Indian folk instruments in an authentic way, combined with popular Western music gave a lot of people in India a sense that they were being respected Mm. by the Western world again, right? Mm. So there may have been an element with this Turkish music that was the same, where like, if we can get European Western audiences to listen to our folk instruments in the context of rock and roll, we can become respected by them on the world stage, right? So maybe that was a part of it. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, I I hadn't really thought of it like that. But yeah, definitely like that kind of exposure and attention could certainly feel like 
legitimacy and respect. Yeah, especially if you are, you know, trying to change the uh, the government of your country, change yeah. the exposure of your country to to others. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's listen to those two other examples. The first one is from Barish Mancho. Uh, it's a song called Such Miller. <laughs> So in that one, you heard sort of that like '60s funk sort of reference yeah, to yeah, a little bit more yeah. of that like sound incorporated yeah. in there. Uh, the, this guy, I just like, I just think he looks like he looks like the '70s. Like if if you like typed into the AI like Dolly or something, and you were like, "Give me a man who's a '70s psychedelic musician," like <laughs> yeah. this man would be the man like he has that kind of like big fluffy handlebar mustache kind of thing long hair and he's wearing like open like like opened tunicky shirts and like linen pants and stuff like i feel like he's like yeah. nailing the look <laughs> Next band is Mojalar. This is one of the biggest bands in Turkey during the 70s. And, you know, the intro to this song, I think you could easily mistake as either Led Zeppelin or even like early Nirvana. Um, yeah. So yeah. check this out. This is Daj Ve Kopuk. I think it's Cho- Chokuk. Chokuk. Da- Chokuk. Yeah, this is another one that has this kind of um, uh, longing to it, I would say. Uh, the lyrics here are lush plains, icy springs, birds sing in the forest. I miss lying in emerald green meadows. Let me go. I have no mother and father. I'm left alone. I'm looking for my green mountains everywhere. Yeah, lots of longing. Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to talk about the end of Anatolian Rock, which came about in the late 1970s and into 1980, which saw a military coup in Turkey. Ah. Uh, and the new government put a crackdown on the genre. Um, a lot of the artists from the genre fled the country. Mm-hmm. Um and the music in Turkey turned to this sort of melancholy genre called arabesque to reflect the <laughs> sadness and repression of the times. Wow. Interesting. So uh, the genre disappeared for a bit and moved out of Turkey. But then in the 2000s, 2010s, uh, it experienced a bit of a revival. And there was even a project called the Anatolian Rock Revival Project Uh to sort of preserve the culture of Anatolian rock and bring it to future generations. So it's it's coming back. 
Yeah, that's actually the YouTube channel that some of these are posted on is the Anatolian Rock Revival Project. And it's like a verified YouTube channel and it has like, you know, 450,000 subscribers or something. So if you're interested in this music, go check them out and give them a subscription. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, me too. It's fun. So we need to write a like Doors, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones style song incorporating some traditional Turkish instruments and elements. Uh, maybe with like a melancholy kind of a longing to the lyrics yeah. about Thomas Wilson Door. I mean, obviously the the band that we put together is going to be called The Doors, right? But D O R R S. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's it's right there. Thank you, yeah. Wikipedia gods. It's it's amazing. Um, yeah, maybe we can pull one of the Turkish diacriticals that goes on an O uh, and put it on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they have. I actually don't know if they have a accent mark that goes on the O, but we can we can see. That'd be fun. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think there's there's something with like oh uh, you know something I noticed is that all of these are um, male voices, right? That we've heard from yeah. these are all like male singers. I don't think there were a lot of women in the rock scene in I Turkey so. in the sixties and seventies. And so, like, when I'm thinking about this as, like, a male genre, I think the fact that, spoiler alert, this door rebellion has to do with, like, the rights, like, disenfranchised men in Rhode Island. <laughs> I think we're going to, I think we're going to find some, like, we'll natural find some common overlap ground. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's go to it. Let's go. Mm. Tommy D. Tommy D. T.W. Door. I am. This is interesting. So I'm fascinating. Also, I'm shocked that I don't know this as someone who like had however many years of American history I've had. I'm shocked that you don't know this as someone right. who grew up in a state much closer to Rhode Island than I did. Yeah, we never learned about this in any kind of Connecticut history. We mostly just learned about like nutmeg and the, you know. The tree that had the paper in it. The tree that had the paper in it? What? <laughs> I clearly paid attention. Hold on one second. <laughs> what are you talking about? The Charter Oak. Oh, the Charter Oak. I don't know. We don't need to get into this. We have a more interesting Great. story to tell. I was saying to Scott, just before we started recording, that if you grew up in Rhode Island, I bet you that as a fourth or fifth grader, you were forced to perform some kind of dramatic reenactment of this historical event because it's like one of those types of things, like a very, very interesting piece of state history. Uh, if you grew up in Rhode Island or, you know, anywhere in New England and you did learn about this or there was emphasis placed on this, please let us know because I'm yes. fascinated that we have not heard of this. So here's the general shape. What's of the what scoop? this of what this is. So you have to keep in mind that at this time in American history, not everyone had the right to vote. This is mid 1800s. Yeah. This is before the Civil War. So we're not even talking about like racial um disenfranchisement. We're even just talking about like four white men and we're not talking about gender disenfranchisement. Four white men uh you in some states had to own property and in certain states had to own a specific amount of property to even be allowed to vote. So in states where um, there was like a large rural population, 
landowners of like farms and like large tracts of land could vote, whereas people in smaller towns in cities who either weren't landowners because it was the real estate was like too expensive out there or you know they didn't weren't able to buy property or they weren't able to buy a sufficient amount of property because of constraints on uh, property size, uh, they weren't able to vote. So in Rhode Island especially, this became a huge problem. And it was something like, hold on, the like actual representation numbers are kind of shocking. So by 1840, um, more than half of the adult white male population was excluded from voting. And so if you looked at like uh, towns had, so, so like the, the more rural areas had 19 seats, which is more than half of the legislature, and those towns had a total population, all of, uh, like all of those had a total population of 3,500 voters, and the state had a total of 108,000 residents. So... Half the legislature was controlled by like 3.5% of the population. Huh. It's almost it like the way. U.S. Senate today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the other big problem with this is that if you weren't, uh, if you didn't own real estate, you couldn't go to the government and like sue for recovery of a debt owed to you or for um, – like redress of personal injury, unless a landowner like vouched for you, basically. So yeah. you had like no legal rights at all. Um, and this is to say nothing of women, of course, and this is to say nothing of African Americans at the time. So enter Thomas Wilson Dorr, who yeah. came from you know a prosperous family, had a good social position. He was a lawyer that studied at both Harvard. And in New York City, he came back to Providence to practice law and then was elected as a representative to the Rhode Island General Assembly in, in 1834. So he was really concerned about the issues of the franchise, and he wanted to fight for the side of the unrepresented and underrepresented people of the state of Rhode Island. And he basically led a, a new party called the People's Party, which was formed and held a convention to adopt a new constitution uh, in order to allow for the enfranchisement of these, these voters. Um, so at this convention that they organized, the constitution was adopted. In May of 1842, two governments in Rhode Island held separate elections and were both claiming <laughs> victory yeah. and the allegiance of the people. So that was the People's Party with Thomas Dore, and then the existing Law and Law Order and Order Party, party. Uh, with Governor Samuel Ward King. So in this sort of limbo moment here in 1842, if you lived in Rhode Island, you weren't necessarily sure whether you had a Governor King or a Governor Dore. Yeah, this is so wild. Um, so what ended up happening uh, is both of the governors were like issuing proclamations and were both like acting like they were the governor <laughs> and door <laughs> even went to Washington DC to appeal to the president, John Tyler 
and apparently was not encouraged by the president to to continue. And he returned to Rhode Island. Uh, meanwhile, while Dorr was out of the state, King proclaimed martial law, and he offered a five thousand dollar reward to anyone who would capture the other governor <laughs> Dorr. And if you look, we looked up like inflation calculator of how much five thousand dollars in eighteen forty two would be worth today, and it's worth one hundred and seventy thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> so crazy. So much money that the that the government was offering uh, for for this guy's capture. So um, you know, as you might expect, a lot of people abandoned Door. Uh, he himself ended up fleeing the state. I think he went to New Hampshire and Massachusetts, um, which is hilarious and- to me because it's not far. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's so close to Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, you could probably like see it from your window uh, if you were. Uh, in one of those two states. He's like standing um, on the other side of a fence, like, can't catch me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in Massachusetts. <laughs> so the following year, October 1843, he uh, came back because a new liberal constitution had in fact been adopted. And a lot of what he had fought for, including universal enfranchisement of white males was adopted. So the state was now doing the thing that he had fought for. But uh, so he thought it would be safe, but King <laughs> got his revenge and he had him arrested, tried for treason, and then sentenced to solitary confinement and hard labor for life. Wild. Absolutely wild. wild. So he went to prison in June of 1844. But there was some public outrage about this sentence. And in 1845, the legislature passed an act of general amnesty and Dorr was released after serving 12 months in prison. Um, He uh, was very unhealthy when he was released from prison. And he basically just lived in retirement until he died, which was in 1854 at the age of 49. Yeah, yeah, his like it, the his health was as Wikipedia describes it broken by this ordeal of like being sentenced to prison for a year. Um and he was also stripped of his rights until 1851 as well. Only 3 years before his death. So Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, Rhode Island state government does recognize the legitimacy of Dorr's efforts and does include him on its list of governors. So, man, he had all the right ideas, but was sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time, wasn't he? Yeah. Because other states like, were already doing this, and Rhode Island was yeah. just behind the times. Yeah. So, it, yeah, the, the article does say that at the time, Rhode Island was the only state. It was the last holdout in universal um, white male suffrage uh, at the time. So crazy. Yeah. Wow. We stand an activist. We, <laughs> we, we, stand, uh, we stand enfranchisement, don't we? We do. We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, sure more, there more were problematic books. things about him because he was a white man in the 1800s, but whatever. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Let's keep in mind we're only talking about giving uh, voting rights to white men who don't own yes. property. At well, this and time. I, I also yeah. just l- looked at uh, John Tyler a little bit too because I, I don't remember what John Tyler's politics were, but he was a big states' rights guy, including uh, on the topic of slavery, so... He was also, if you remember, the vice president who only became president because William Henry Harrison died after 31 days in office after getting pneumonia during his inauguration speech. Yeah, I I 
Well, now we know what we need to know about John Tyler. Crazy uh, time in history. Did you know that John Tyler has a living grandson? Still living. Yes, still living. Oh I saw God. a video about this recently because he, his first wife died, and then his second wife, he married someone like 30 years his junior, and they had like seven or eight kids. And so he like was fathering kids when he was in his 70s, I think. And then the same thing happened to one of his youngest sons that he had a wife. She passed away remarried someone significantly younger and then was having children in his like 60s or 70s or something. Wow. And so the grandson of John Tyler still walks this earth. He is 94. He was born wow. in 1928. His name is Harrison Ruffin Tyler. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. Wild. That's amazing. Yeah, imagine being able to be like, my grandfather was born a dozen years after the American Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> crazy so so thomas wilson door of the band the doors yes <laughs> we got to write sort of a melancholy psychedelic rock song about him so what yeah are we gonna write it from his perspective when he's in exile Ooh, maybe i think that's a really great angle like when he's in exile, he's yearning to get back to the verdant hills of Rhode, of Rhode Island. Island. <laughs> <laughs> Just the across the river. Golden, the golden paved streets of Providence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think this is like a, like, you know, he has been separated from his homeland and he like yeah. wants to get back. And like, uh, he's like hopeful now that the new constitution has passed that like better days are ahead. But like, we know as the audience, we know the, the dramatic irony of that statement because yeah. he's about to get arrested when he gets back. Even though the state does what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. What a story. Cool. I know. Uh, I think, I think we can do this. We can do this. Definitely. Let's go. Yeah. Mm. Woo! This was very, this was fun. Very fun. Very fun. Fun and easy and fun. Great. Oh, and fun? And, you know what? I didn't realize it was fun. It was, it was fun. I like fun. Uh, me too. So, I went with the idea that we talked about, which is while, uh, Tommy Dore is in exile. Mm. He hears about the new constitution and he oh. thinks, aha, this is my chance. Yeah. It's fine. So you I'll, go back. I'll go back now. Yeah. So uh, I have a verse and then a chorus. And I've incorporated a couple things here. So Rhode Island is known as the ocean state. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if like other like provinces of Canada do this or like like regions in France do this. I, I Departement is what they're called in France do this. I really have no idea. Uh, but like every state in the U.S. has like a, a thing it's known for. Like it's called the blank state. Right. Um, and like I feel like the only one people ever know is like the show me state, which is Missouri. Or the, the sunshine state, Florida. Sunshine state. Yeah. Cal Florida? Wait. California. Oh, maybe we don't know it. It's Florida, right? I thought it was Florida. Yeah, it's Florida. Yeah, it's Florida. Is California the gold rush state? What's California? The golden state. The golden state. Oh, okay, that's why okay. it's like the Golden State Warriors, the sports team. Oh. What's Pennsylvania? The Keystone State. 
Oh, duh. I knew that. How are you Googling these? I'm Googling state name, the, space, state, and then it just like Pennsylvania, <laughs> the state, and then it fills it in. <laughs> yeah, because I was Hit like... Hit me with another one. What do you want to know? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's, is Connecticut the nutmeg state? I think so. Really? Yeah. Weird. Well, Rhode Island is the ocean state. Um, they had like a very big like maritime economy uh, at the time. Uh, so you'll hear that incorporated. Uh, also, uh, their state motto, which I took as the kind of um, like overall feel of this song. Uh-huh. Their state motto is one word, and it's the word hope. <laughs> Great. <laughs> which is interesting. Um, and oh, Missouri comes- is the show me state. Is that what you said? Yes, I did Great. say okay, that. Just making sure. uh, I'm looking at a list, yeah. but I'm also listening to you. Oh, it's fine. Uh, you don't have to pay attention. Um, hope. Uh, so hope is the state motto. So I've like incorporated that. And then I've also inco- incorporated the words road and island a bunch, <laughs> like in a kind of like metaphorical sort of way. So he talks about the road like back to his home, but I've spelled yep. it R-H-O-D-E every time. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Just for fun. So here we go. The verse, living in exile, borders between missing my homestead, my ocean state queen, the fight for the franchise I won't soon give up, a new constitution just might turn my luck. Mm. And then the chorus is, I'm just a man on the road back to hope, an island of wishing for rights for more folk. The road may be long and the island alone, (laughs) but, (laughs) but hope springs eternal. Hope is my song. Nice. Yeah. Thomas Dorr, full of hope. Oh, wait, should I switch? So the so it rhymes better. I might switch the line about the island and the line about the about long. Sure, do it. Yeah, so if the rights from our folks, the, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll make it, I'll make yeah, it maybe yeah, yeah, scan yeah. a little bit better. We'll, we'll fix it. Well done, I uh, like it. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Tell me about your music, and especially about the folk instruments. Well, before that, I'm just going to do the state thing for a little longer. Um, okay, great. <laughs> there's Are you going to do one, a game? Yeah, there's only, yeah, there's one state that is not the something state. All of them have that except for one. Which one do you think it is? And is it actually a state? It's not like yeah. it's Puerto Rico. Blank, the last frontier. Wyoming? No, Wyoming, weirdly, is the equality state. That's Wyoming? Yeah. Hilarious. I thought Wyoming would be the big sky state or something. No. Or though that's Montana, that's Montana, right? But Montana is actually, um, it's Big Sky Country or the Treasure State. Oh, interesting. Uh, Alaska, the last frontier. Oh, Isn't that, that makes sense. Connecticut yeah. is both the nutmeg state and the constitution state. Some of them have multiples. Yeah. This is one that I never would have guessed that uh, I'm a little confused by. But um, which state do you think is the beehive state? <laughs> the beehive state? Yeah. You said you were confused by it. So... I just never would have thought of any state being the beehive state, really. But which which one yeah. do you think is? Beehives, huh? Where they got bees? Where they got bees? Where they got the bees? Uh, like Indiana or something? It's Utah. What? Utah, the beehive state. Is Indiana the flyover state? <laughs> 
It's the Hoosiers. <laughs> Hoosier State. I know, I know. That was mean. That was a low State. blow to Indiana. I'm joking. If you're a Indiana. Chinese spy balloon. Oh, yeah. What's up with the spy balloon? They shot it down over the ocean. Oh, okay. It's causing a whole mess here. It's probably going to be a war. I don't know. Great. Anyway, instruments. Turkey. Let's go. Yeah. So I've got like sort of a minor key, dark sounding, like early 60s shuffle rock song happening, almost with like a blues influence. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's a lot of different things you said there. It is. It is. But I think it all works. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's start with the Western instruments. We've got a drum kit, which sounds like this. Cool. We've got bass. Cool. We've got lead guitar and rhythm guitar. Awesome. Both electric guitars with sort of like a a distortion spring reverb kind of a sound on it. Yep. Cool. Um, Then starting to move into the Turkish instruments, we have some uh, Turkish hand percussion here. So that's like a hand drum? Yeah, exactly. Or like, like Turkey's like, version okay. of a frame drum or a conga kind of a thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Then we have a harmonic instrument. This is a Turkish oud, which is like a Ooh. guitar type, lute type instrument to play along yeah. with the guitars. I like the oud. Then we have two uh, melodic instruments. One is a uh, reed instrument, like the zerna. Zerna. So it sounds sort of like an oboe. Here's that. It's like a a tooth a tooth vuzela. <laughs> a tooth vuzela. <laughs> a no, nose vuzela. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, Lastly, a Turkish violin. Ooh, what makes it a Turkish violin? Well, it's got like a sort of wider body to it and a shorter, more compressed kind of a fingerboard, um, but it is still like a bowed string instrument. So that's going to be my band. uh, And then vocally, it's just going to be sort of like a single singer vocal Mm -hmm. line in this. There wasn't really much like harmony singing. No, and kind of, I would say that the vocals are pretty, like, again, dark. Like, they, yeah. they have, like, a kind of, like, dark sound Right, to not them. a lot of high singing range, you know, a little bit no. more conversational in tone. Yeah, and, of course, we will not be singing this in Turkish. No, we won't. No. What should we call it? I mean, I think we should call it hope, no? Single word, just hope. I think just hope. Or The Road to Hope, R-H-O-D-E, The Road to Hope. Mm, I kind of like that. Okay, cool. The Road, I like the road the... Back to Hope, The Road to Hope. Mm, 
I would say that a lot of these, um, the titles of these songs when translated, like get pretty lyrical. Like uh, one of them was like the ones left behind was one. Um, Then I kind of like the road back to hope. And that's like verbatim from your chorus then. That's true. The road back to hope. And then we did look up uh, the Turkish alphabet and uh, there, uh, there is an O with uh, an umlaut over it, what we might commonly call an umlaut, so the two dots. Uh, and the pronunciation of that is an, uh, uh, an E sound, like an her. So, so um, if we want our band to be the doors with this umlaut, <laughs> it would be the durs. <laughs> the Road Back to Hope by the durs. <laughs> it's perfect. I, uh, it's it. You know, bringing it home to the the real song salad aesthetic at the end. <laughs> the road back to hope by the Durs. Yeah, here is the road back to hope by the Durs. An Anatolian rock song about Thomas Wilson Dore by Shannon and Scott. Exile borders between Missing my homestead My ocean state queen the Fight for the franchise I won't soon give up A new constitution Just might turn my luck I'm just a man On the road back to hope An island of wishing For rights for more folk The road may be long And the island alone But hope springs eternal Hope is my song Well done, Shannon. Well done to you, Scott. Thank you. And, and thus well done concludes. To you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I don't think I mentioned it on mic, but like the interesting thing thinking about Thomas Dore and his story is that this kind of a situation is still happening in uh, democracies around the world today. <laughs> you know, Venezuela in particular. Uh, we have both Nicolas Maduro and Juan Guaido claiming to be president and, you know, Trump recognized one of them, Biden recognized the other. So, like, this is uh, still a thing that goes on and people are living in <laughs> some confusing states of government right now. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, democracy is, what do they say? Like, democracy is the second best political system and the first best doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, <laughs> and uh, you know, obviously uh, yeah. there's some, uh, uh, election denying happening in our country mm-hmm. too, but luckily we avoided having two competing legitimate standing governments for now. Yeah. Yeah. But for not now. so far fetched. Yeah. Yeah. It ha- if it happened in Rhode Island, it could happen anywhere. Yeah. But can you imagine like, you know, say Donald Trump gets like exiled from the U.S. and then like <laughs> tries to come back and gets arrested. Like, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually heard that um, uh, Juan uh, or what's his name uh, Bolsonaro from uh, 
Brazil, who just lost the election to Lula down there, is now living in Florida. He's yeah. like crashing with an MMA fighter in Florida. And he just applied for a U.S. tourist visa to stay in the country. Wow. This ex-president, yeah. like, <laughs> dictator from Brazil. And uh, do you think the U.S. is going to, like, grant that application? Just, like, big rubber stamp approved? What do you think? I, geez, I don't know. Yeah, I saw someone, like, tweeted a picture of him eating it, like, an orange Julius or something. Right. In, like, a... <laughs> God. Wow! The how the how, how the mighty have fallen. He's in like a mall food court. Like <laughs> apparently, he loves it. He wants to stay. Great, great. Um, oh goodness. Anyway, anyway. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode, for engaging <laughs> with us, for social media ing on Twitter at Song Salad Cast, in the produce section on Facebook, Song Salad Podcast dash the produce section, and on Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate you. You can also check us out on Instagram where we're very inactive. On <laughs> Great. <laughs> selling it. Really selling it. Yeah. Um, we we do appreciate you. Scott said it all. We do. Until next time. I'm Shannon. And I'm Scott. And this has been Song Salad. Yamas. And a very Yamas day to you. Yamas day. Thank you.